Chapter Two of Laramie Holds the Range by Frank Spearman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter Two: The Crazy Woman. They had traveled a long time, it seemed to Kate, and having climbed all the hills in the country, were going down a moderate grade with the hind wheels sputtering unamiably at the brakes when bell broke a long silence where are we bill she demanded familiarly the crazy woman bradley answered briefly kate did not understand but by this time she had learned in such circumstances to hold her tongue he means the creek explained bell it's way down there ahead of us strain her eyes as she would kate could see only the blackness of the darkness ahead it be jing muttered bradley as kate peered into nothingness she's whining to-night for fair again for an instant kate did not comprehend then the leads were swung sharply by bradley to the left the stage rounded what kate afterward frequently recognized as an overhanging shoulder of rock on the road down to the creek and a vague dull roar swept up from below bradley halted the horses climbed down and taking the lantern went forward on foot to investigate must have been a cloudburst in the mountains remarked bell listening and kate was to learn that a cloudless sky gives no assurance whatever for the passage of a mountain stream the lantern disappeared to come into sight again farther down the trail and while both women talked the faint light swung at intervals in and out of their vision as bradley reconnoitred kate was a little worried but her companion said quite unmoved even when bradley returned and reported the creek roaring that being the case he muttered i'm thinking the double drawbridge has took up its timbers and walked likewise the double drawbridge how well kate was to know that name but that night it seemed like everything else only very queer bradley protested bell now very much disturbed that can't be we'll see retorted bradley gathering his reins and releasing his brake as he spoke to the horses i don't guess myself there's much left of that bridge only the expletive he placed before the last word revealed his own genuine annoyance and kate prudently asked no further questions some instinct convinced her that she was already a nuisance on the silent bradley's hands the ford off the main road was where he had proposed setting kate over as he expressed it to the ranch double draw bridge on the road to the fort and reservation was two miles above the horses climbed the long hill again and started on the road for the bridge if the double draw is out sighed bell resignedly i reckon we're trapped for the first time now they could hear the hoofs of the two teams sinking into and pulling out of mud it grew deeper as they descended the long grade toward the bridge and clouds obscured the light of the stars with the horses stumbling on the women watched for something to meet it to the ranch double draw bridge on the road to the fort and reservation was two miles above 
The horses climbed the long hill again and started on the road for the bridge. With the horses stumbling on, the women watched for something to meet either sight or hearing, but there was nothing until they again neared the creek. Then the same vague roar rose on the night, and as they rimmed the bench above the creek, a faint ghastly light on the eastern horizon betokened a rising moon. Down the trail they stopped in darkness, and Bradley again clambered down from his box with the lantern to investigate. "'As far as I can see,' he reported when he came back, "'bridge is all right, but mostly under water. "'Can we get across?' Bill Shockley asked querulously. Bradley answered with hesitation. "'Why, yes. Oh, good. And no.' "'What does that mean?' snapped Bell. "'We can't get across tonight. We might in the morning.' Kate kept silence, but Bell was persistent. "'What are we going to do?' she demanded. "'Go way back to Sleepy Cat?' "'Not in a million years,' returned Bradley calmly. "'We're going to pull out one side and camp right here till daylight. "'If I didn't have you women on my hands, I might take a chance with the mail.' he went on, drawing his horses carefully around to where he meant to camp. Me and the horses could make it, even if we lost the wagon. But it weren't like the job of hunting for you folks and the crazy woman with a lantern. Not tonight. She's surely a rip-roaring. Well, to hell with her and all creeks like her, say I, he wound up, cherruping kindly to his uncomplaining beasts. You don't like creeks, suggested Bell. Dry creeks, yes. Wouldn't care if I never seen another wet creek from now till kingdom come. Oh, Nellie, he called to the off-lead mare, who was feeling the way for her companions back to a safe spot for a halt. This is good, right here. Bell showed her fellow traveler how to lie down with some comfort on the leather seat, and as they had one for each, she gave Kate her choice. Kate, to put Bell between her and any man in front, took the back seat. The side curtains were let down, and with a mail sack supplied by Bradley for a pillow, Kate, drawing her big coat over her, curled up for a rest. The excitement of the journey had worn away. The delay she was disposed to accept philosophically. It took some time for Bradley to unhitch and dispose of the horses to his satisfaction and theirs, and his mumblings and the sound of their moving about and chomping their bits fell a long time on Kate's drowsy ears. Bell went to sleep at once, and though sleep was the last thing Kate expected to achieve, she did fall asleep, with the crazy woman singing wildly in her ears. She had hardly lost herself, it seemed, when Bradley roused his passengers. The storm waters were creeping up over the bench where they had camped, and with much impatient sputtering, Bradley hitched the pole teams to the stage and, in his pet, retreated into the hills for assured safety. Even the noise of the flood failed to follow them there, and they disposed themselves once more to rest. How long she slept this time, Kate did not know, but she was awakened by voices. The night had grown very cold, and death itself could not have been more silent. 
Yet at intervals Kate heard the low converse of two voices, and they were not far away, and both were men's. A panic seized her. Her heart beat like the roll of a drum and then nearly stopped. What might happen now, she asked herself, and what could she fear but the worst? In the dead of night, marooned in a wild country with only a queer woman and two strange men, could it be a plot, she asked herself. In the fear that gripped her, she could hardly breathe, and to think was only to invite added agonies of apprehension. She sat quickly up, breathing hurriedly now, and her heart racing. Then she heard the even breathing of her companion on the seat ahead. To make sure it was she, Kate put her hand over and touched Belle's shoulder. Reassured a little, but ready to push aside the curtain and spring from the stage at the least alarm, Kate listened painfully. The voices reached her ears again. One was Bradley's, of that she felt sure. The other, deeper, more full, and with a curiously even carrying quality through the silent night, she knew she had never heard before. But the darkness, the solitude, the shock of strange surroundings, if nothing else, made it terrifying to her. Kate had never been reckoned a timid girl, but she listened dumb with fear. Bradley did most of the talking. He was recounting, with occasional profanity, the mishaps of his trip, beginning with the late train. "'Any passengers?' Kate heard the stranger ask. Two women, seeing you beat it? One of them a girl for double days. What can a girl be wanting at double days? Don't know. Came off the train tonight. The double draw is out. Jing! exclaimed Bradley. It was there an hour ago. The Ford is your only chance to get her over. Can I make it? You've got good horses. You ought to make it by daylight. Here they got a new foreman over at Double Days, Bradley said. There was no comment, unless the silence could be so construed. Tom Stone, added Bradley, as if bound to finish. There was an instant an angry exclamation, none the less ferocious because of the restrained feeling in its sudden utterance. Doubleday sits a good deal by what Van Horn says. I reckon he put him in there, suggested Bradley. There was a further silence. Then she heard the stranger dryly say, I expect so. It seemed as if behind everything he did say there was so much left unsaid. I never got rightly, Jim, Bradley went on, how you and Van Horn related. I hope you never will, returned the man, saluted as Jim, in the same low, cold tone. We're not related. He was my partner, once. Stone will change things at the ranch. He can't hurt them much. I guess they're full bad, said Bradley, and then, lowering his voice, the gals are asleep there in the stage. Hide the land contest they made only at Medicine Bend come off. The cattlemen own that land office. I'll beat the bunch at Washington. Doubleday wanted me to go down to swear I wouldn't do it. Wasn't even at the trial. No honest man was from Doubleday's. Was it Stone that cut your wire, Jim? You know as much about it as I do. 
Got it up again? All I could find. Meaner than hell over there, ain't they? There was no comment. How long you going to stand it, Jim? persisted Bradley, and after the odd pause, the slow answer. Till I get tired. That'll be about the time they rip it off again. About that time, Bill. Well, hazarded the old driver meditatively. The boys are waiting. They say you're slow to start anything, Jim, but they look for hell to pay when you do. To the stranger, it seemed to Kate, words must be worth their weight in gold. He parted with them so sparingly. What's this talk about Farrell Kennedy making a deputy marshal, Jim? Mostly talk, Bill. Good night. Farrell offered it to you, didn't he? So Lefevre says. Where are you heading for now? Persisted Bradley as Kate heard the shuffle of a horse's feet. Home. They ain't burned your shack? Bradley asked with a half chuckle. Kate just heard the man's reply. Not yet. The hoofbeats drew away. Kate cautiously pushed back her curtain. The late moon was shining in an old and ghostly light. Distant heights rose like black walls against the sky. At intervals a peak broke sharply above the battlements, or a riff in a closer sierra opened to show the stars. Kate could hear, but could not for some time see the galloping horseman. Then of a sudden he reached the brow of a low hill and rode swiftly out into the spectral light. There he halted. Horse and rider stood for a moment silhouetted against the sky. The horse chased at his bit. He stretched his head restively into the north, his driver sitting motionless, a somber flat hat crowning his spare figure. For barely a moment the man sat thus immovable. Then he turned slightly in the saddle, and the horse struck off into the night. Drowsiness had deserted the tired girl that watched him. While her companions slept, she sat in the solitude waiting for day. Bradley, as good as an alarm dock, was stirring with the first streak and feeding his horses. He told his passengers that the bridges were all out, and he was going back to the ford. Bell, incredulous, when first told by Kate of a visitor in the night, had no scruples in asking questions. Who was here last night, Bill? What do you mean? He countered, gathering up his lines. What man was it you were talking to? She demanded. I guess if I was talking to any man, he grumbled, I was talking in my sleep. You must have been a-dreaming. Oh, come now, fess up, Bill. Bell nodded toward Kate. She was awake. Bradley started the horses, shifted on the box, and looked not too well pleased. I wasn't talking to nobody last night. Bill, what a whopper. You mean this morning, he went on doggedly. Well, well, who was here? Jim Laramie. Jim Laramie? echoed Belle, catching her breath and poking Kate with her elbow. Wonder he didn't hold us up. Bradley scowled but said nothing. 
Bradley doesn't like that, murmured Belle to Kate as soon as the creaking of the wheels gave her a chance to speak without his hearing. He's a friend of Jim's. Where did he come from? continued Belle, raising her voice toward Bradley. Bradley took his time to answer. Claimed he was going home, he said laconically. How could he get across the creek with the bridges out? persisted Bell. Bradley's eyes were on his horses. He was wary of question. High water wouldn't bother him much. Well, I want to know. I should think it would bother anybody the way it was sweeping down last night. Hell, ejaculated Bradley, parting with his manners and his patience together. Jim could swim the crazy woman with his horse's feet tied. Who is Jim? Kate demanded of her companion in an undertone. Jim Laramie. He lives in the falling wall. End of chapter 2